Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, welcome to the Out of Spec Podcast. I'm joined by Mike, Lacey, and Kyle. Lacey is a special guest today from Miss Go Electric, and we're going to talk about our um, Out of Spec EV Media Summit that we hosted, as well as uh, Porsche Taycan GTS Sport Turismo, a mouthful, and some uh, Ionic 5 details that have just surfaced, and much, much more. So first, um, let's talk about this EV Media Summit we had. Um, Kyle and I were there. Lacey joined us out there as well, and that was in Pasadena, California, um, had a really solid turnout, actually, of um, a mixture of journalists and some public EV enthusiasts, um, cars from different manufacturers for people to experience. It was uh, quite a fun ordeal that lasted Saturday and Sunday. Um, so, yeah, Kyle, how do you how do you feel? What, what was your highlight, I guess? Yeah, it was awesome to get everyone together. I mean, at the end of the day, the idea started with everyone who wasn't there except for Ryan from the kilowatts. It was Ben Sullins, Ricky from two dip bit Da Vinci and Ryan. And uh, we were at the lucid event and we were like, well, we should get everyone together and just talk about cars because we had such a great time hanging out that night and we learned a lot from each other. And so I was like, Oh, well, let's just, let's just have everyone. We'll just pick a hotel. And we'll just show up there. So we picked a hotel and we invited, you know, sort of a core group of, of people. And then we thought, well, Maybe we should see if we should get some cars to review <laughs> or to just drive around. And so then we called up uh, some some automakers, not all of them, but some that we thought would be beneficial to have as sort of a low key situation. And then they all said yes. Uh, we were like, OK, well, that's a lot. The only people who didn't say yes were Lucid. So uh, Lucid, next time we'll get you. So, um, yeah, we had some really good cars there, I would say. And then we invited more people because we're like, well, we have all these cars. Let's share them with more people. And then it turned into like a little thing. So it wasn't huge. It was nice and small. We had like a good little weekend gathering and uh, all done in Pasadena around a uh, park with D fast chargers. And basically the way the event was, was open time. It was everyone can just hang out or do what you want with the cars. And yeah, people were just out shuffling through the vehicle, driving them, making videos, writing articles about them, some of which we've seen already go live this week, which is pretty interesting. And uh, I had a great time, and uh, it was so great to see everyone there. Yeah. Um, Lacey, what was your highlight, or I guess favorite car, although I think I have a, an idea. Well, I spent the most time, and yeah, the favorite was probably the Audi RS e-tron GT. Um, I first initially took it like right around town, really in close quarters to where the parking structure was. But what was nice about the location that you picked is that it had a highway access right there, super close. So after I was driving around a little bit at slower speeds, I took it out on the highway for a little bit. And then the next day, uh, at the very end of the event, we decided to rip it up Angeles Crest. 
And that was really fun. I rode with you, Jordan, and <laughs> that I was trying to take it easy a little bit at first, but um, that was really fun because it was right at sunset. So it was beautiful. We just had a whole lineup of really amazing cars. Uh, there was a Polestar 2, the Volkswagen ID4, a couple of Mustang Mach-E's. Um, so we had a really good lineup just for that portion of kind of our uh, ride up the mountain. And then uh, that was actually a better showcase of the capability of the car than me just riding it around town and doing a, on the highway like someone would daily drive that car. But um, yeah, that was definitely my favorite. It, it, was, it was a nice, really nice ride. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of that car. And after, I mean, it shares the same, what, J1? Is that the platform that it shares with Tycon? Um, yep, and it's, J1. Yep. It, it's amazing to see how the similarities and differences. Um, but that Audi is such a good, I guess, grand touring car. I mean, it really puts the GT in it. And it's just, I could take it across the country. I'd be comfortable. Um, it looks good. I mean, you probably got a lot of looks in the car. I, I know I did. And people, a lot of people actually don't even know what it is because there's so few of them out there so far. Um, they are, you know, a bit pricey and it, it, it's kind of like seeing Audi R8. In fact, people have, I've had a couple of people ask like if that's a new four door Audi R8 and it's like, <laughs> well, I guess in a way, um, but <laughs> I absolutely love that car. I think it was maybe my favorite of the lineup. Although the Pulse or the the Volvo XC40 Recharge was a nice surprise, it was the first time I had actually driven one, and it was such a good car. I think it was almost like the unsung hero, at least of the average consumer for the bunch that we had. Um, it just looks great. It's Volvo. Um, it, it is the weird quirks involve, I guess, the fact that they let you use the entire battery. So the very top of the charging curve is really hard to live with if you ever wanted to go to 100%. Um, and then at the flip side, when you drive it to, you know, single digit percentile, it's cuts power drastically. It throws a turtle on the screen and you just feel like you can't even safely get up to speed after an intersection. Um, but I love that. Well, car, let's just though. be clear. That's like below 5%. Yeah. Right. Which most people wouldn't. starts to slow do. down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we did zero to percent DC fast charging test on both that and EQS both very interesting, both of which will come on out-of-spec reviews at some point soon, one of our YouTube channels. Uh, yeah, XC40 Recharge was the bomb. That car was so good, really into it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if you really want to chat about the individual cars and everything we had there, uh, we did a great segment on our Inside EVs podcast, uh, which is, uh, you know, on, on Inside EVs YouTube channel or on, you know, any of the regular podcast streaming platforms where we literally spend the entire episode. Lacey joined us for that too. And we go through every single car and all share our opinions about that. But uh, Jordan, you weren't on there. So do you want to give us a quick rundown? You've already mentioned you thought the e-tron had a different character to Tycon and you liked XC40. Was any other thoughts from the event? Um, you must say Maki GT performance is solid, but that's really the only Mustang I think I could go for. And I wouldn't even go for it. I, I could, I understand the people who would, it helped me understand that. Um, but I'm just not really a Maki person. I, I enjoy what driving. What do you like about it? Say what? What, what do you not like about the Maki that would make you not go for it? I think I'm just... I don't find Ford's um, unique or that's not the right word. They don't have enough character for me. I think they, they do have some character in the sense of like, like I would probably never own another normal Mustang either. Um, they, I guess the people who like them do like the straight line speed. And I think that has a place. And I saw them everywhere in Texas because that's the kind of roads you have living in Colorado. You won't find me ever have a car that's good at straight line and bad in the corners. All I care about is corners. Um, so I would much rather have something that's like really engaging around corners and on a track and something that comes just really well prepared for that. And I like being able to drive hard without fear of thermal issues. And that's still an issue with Maki, even with the GT and GT performance. Um, they've helped it, but it's still um, not my favorite. And especially after having the Taycan, which we'll talk about in a second here. Um, that was just like the peak 
like, oh, this is what it should feel like to really push it to its limit and it never actually reaches its limit. Um, like i never felt like I was being restricted. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into that. Cause there is a point as to which you can overheat a Tycon for sure. Um, you know, that, that every car has a thermal limit somewhere. Mike, you just got a Tycon. So can you talk about Ben's car and share? I mean, we, we've had Ben on there, but we never got your opinions on his car. Well, it's, uh, it's way different than the Model 3 performance just as, <laughs> as a car. I mean, it's one, it's well-built. It's just extremely nice place to sit in, even though it's just the, the entry-level rear-wheel drive Taycan. I, I think it's plenty fast. I think Porsche says it's, what, 0 to 60 in five seconds. So obviously it's nowhere near as fast as the Model 3 performance on paper. But that car, when you're moving, you know, up mid-speed, 40, 50 miles an hour, it's still really fast. Um, and it's comfortable. It's way more comfortable than actually I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to ride a lot more harshly than it did. I drove it for two days last week. And just on my regular commute, basically. And I was like, wow, this is a lot quieter. It's very comfortable. The steering feel is great on it. The I love Apple CarPlay. Just wireless Apple CarPlay is a really nice feature to have in, uh, in any modern car. Um, but really taken away. And I can say that although my colleagues at my day job, almost every single person stopped to look at it. I mean, it... it turns a lot of heads that car everywhere i went i would be sitting at a stoplight and i could see people looking over at the car uh ben and i were heading out to dinner one night and we were waiting to cross the road and this guy turned in front of us in a lincoln mkz with an exhaust and revved it by us as he drove by <laughs> i was like everyone just wants to race this car just they look at it and i mean it just it's such a good looking car especially in ben's spec actually looks really nice with the silver over the Beige ben interior. has like the ultimate i don't want to say it's a base car but it's pretty base but it has like just yeah. <laughs> enough to make it exciting um and then like 18 way power seats like that's just a, <laughs> it's like nothing i, I, I still no don't understand why he <laughs> yeah i i actually i think i prefer the 14 ways they're a little less aggressive but ben uh has the I most know. aggressive um seat and like requirements of anyone and so like a seam in the wrong place can ruin a car for him <laughs> i know i it's so little like i never even noticed that to be honest because yeah, in the 911 we had the 14 way and i know he's had sat in the 14 way tycons at his job but to me i was like i didn't notice a difference i think they're fine i the 18 ways are super aggressive <laughs> <bolstering>, <laughs> yeah. especially I down at, at your bottom there you know your thighs. i know i'm too fat <laughs> for them to be honest i think 14 <laughs> ways the way to go but uh so so now you've had a whole bunch of porsches you have two right now um, we do yeah and yeah do you find yourself wanting to take the boxster or the tycon uh, out uh, for uh, like the weekend drive oh uh, you know that's difficult um it really is because i think on a nice weather day where you can have the top down there's still a really nice experience to be able to hear a porsche flat six behind you like that just doesn't get old uh and it's a proper manual and that's always nice to drive but at the end of the day i would still probably want to take the tycon just it's it's a lot better of a car. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> dynamically, it's still a great Porsche. And, you know, that's, that's the bottom line. It will, it's going to drive great with 18 way seats. You're not going to fall out of them. Like, you no, know, the boxer is the standard seat. So they're not you know, as aggressive or bolstered. Um, and I just think the Taycan will perform better on a back road overall over the boxer, despite the noise. Uh, we didn't get the Porsche Sports sound, which I kind of wish we did, uh, just for you know, no. Spirited that's drive. so stupid. Oh come on, it's not. It is stupid, <laughs> but who cares? I hate everything about <laughs> fake sound. Lacey, did you drive when you drove the EQS? Did you try the different sounds that they have? Yeah, I I, I scrolled through a couple of them. I was like, you know, yeah. I mean, I get it. I. I can't say that I'm like super into the whole fake noise thing, but. I can appreciate the attempt. 
I guess. Um, That's such a, a PR friendly response. I, I don't like, <laughs> I'm not like you where I have to like turn it off, but yeah, it's not like enjoyable for me. I don't, I, I can, mm. I can go with or without it. I'm not like, I don't hate it, but I'm not like a fan of it at the same time. So that's yeah, kind of my sense. stance with it. Have you and driven like the, the rear wheel drive? Can, like, turn them off. So have you driven the rear wheel drive Tycon yet? No. Oh, interesting one. And yeah, we'll do a thing with Ben's car here very soon where we run it through yep. all of the testing because it's the small battery Tycon, which like no one has. So this will be really interesting. And Mike, you yeah. don't think like how, what's it showing for range? I know it's not an accurate way to guess range, but do you charge it full or do you set it to 80% or what do you guys so do? I've never seen it at full. I know we charged up to like 80% yesterday before we went, before we went over to Chapel Hill. And I think it showed like two, just over 200, like 210 or 220, somewhere around there. At 80% um, though, which is really good for the small battery yeah. car. Oh yeah, I think I think in the real world it's still like a solid, you know, 240 250 car. I mean, it's really efficient. On my drive to work, it was super efficient, way more efficient than Ben, probably because he drives at like 85 miles an hour, whereas <laughs> I like being efficient. Most of my commute is actually downhill. So even in the mini, my commute is extremely efficient in that car. But on the way back, it's not. It's it's the complete. So opposite. what is your garage now? It's the Mini Cooper SE, the GX yep. off roader, and yep. then the Bakker and the Taycan. Yes. Uh, so four cars now since the <laughs> Tesla was is gone as of today. Oh, nice. So, cool. So the Model Three performance is gone as of today. Yep, it is officially gone, and both of our Porsches are silver. And one of them has silver seatbelts to match the exterior, which is amazing. Which one's that? The Boxster? <laughs> the Boxster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to be able to see it well, when it hops down that you have that special option. <laughs> well, that seems like a great Boxster. garage. Are you going to keep everything? Is your plan to just run four cars? Uh, no. We'll end up selling the Boxster probably. I think the Lexus will honestly be the one that hangs around. <laughs> Really? Yeah. It's Even just over such the a mini. workhorse. Oh, well, I mean, I'm going to have the Mini for at least three years, I think. Like, that's the goal. I just had it tinted. Really? So. Well, Ben got it tinted for me, but <laughs> as a Christmas present. So, nice. yeah, I'm keeping the Mini. I love the Mini. We, we both love the Mini. So, that's going to be I'm like in, the stick around car. I'm in shock if you can keep our three years. You're like me, you <laughs> new car every six months. You used to buy a car back in the day when when I first met you. Like literally every four months, you would buy. A oh, car. I know, I remember because I wow. had the the Tesla, and then I sold the Tesla for like six months and bought the Volvo V ninety, and then yep. it was the Audi e tron. <laughs> yeah, but even honestly, you had Subaru, and then you got your yep. first Mini, and then it just kept going and going on this cycle. So now you're going to keep a, a hundred mile range EV for three years. Yeah, why not? I'm because we're just going to buy three wholesale cars and just drive those instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or three cars, you know, for my job that we can buy. But yeah. I mean, I will see. I might have had, I might have another car, an idea of, but unfortunately, I just can't buy it for a while. So, you know what I really want is a Jag XJ Super Sport. Oh, I was just looking at an XJ the other day. It wasn't a Super Sport, it was just a five liter, but it had the, uh, meridian reference surround oh, sound in it yes, oh, and i was reference. like oh that is good with the red cones that, i was like this yes. person has taste <laughs> <laughs> green on tan all day long oh yeah we so just the other night at my other job i did see a range rover sv autobiography british mm. racing green over brown leather what with year was whatever it? that up 2021 Oh, with whatever that nice. upgraded leather is it's like the it's not it's like the new buck leather or whatever something. they call it yeah i don't yeah. know and, and the rear seats were massaging and all that and he had the table that slid out in the back like you hit a button and like this wood table came out in the back with picnic chairs <laughs> like it was really? crazy oh, yes it was like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar build <laughs> oh my god it was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah that's so sick 
Yeah. Yeah. It was that a nice is, that's definitely Kyle like five years ago. Oh, I thought of you. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, Kyle would appreciate every bit of this guy. <laughs> yeah, love that. Oh, I wish I could have the new Range Rover. Maybe the plug-in oh, hybrid. That's one, why he's but... uh he has he wants to get one on order, but apparently they haven't officially opened the books yet. So right. he's looking. That's why he was there to you know attempt to sell his one now. And I don't think you can spec plug-in hybrids at launch in our market, which is kind of sad because that's like a 35 kilowatt hour pack with DC fast charging. And then you get the inline six instead of that crappy Ingenium four cylinder. I think that's going to be, honestly, that's probably the one to have uh, in the new body yeah. style, I think. Plug-in hybrid is the future. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know. I hate plug-in hybrids from, from a philosophy, but I, I don't know. I've never lived with one. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to live with one. compromise on both sides. Yeah. Compromise. That's why I do not like. It's a good point. I do not like So it's it. not as good as a combustion car, and it's less efficient when the battery runs out because then you have to haul around the batteries. I'll, and right. I, but I will say that, you know, I spent a lot of time with the uh, BMW X5 plug-in hybrid, and I actually really mm -hmm. enjoyed that because the way that that car can hold its range is really impressive. Like, I used to have to drive that thing all around the East Coast for a really long time, and it would stay on electric for, a like, I was just shocked. I'm like, okay, this is, and I wouldn't have to plug it in because it would regenerate so much. And it was pretty um, easy on the pedal, too. So when you would push down, it wouldn't immediately kick into gas uh, super quickly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I liked it because I was forced to drive that around. But um, otherwise, I'm like, no to plug-in hybrids. <laughs> yeah, I want to live with one, run one for three months or six months or whatever it is, and just see how much electric versus gas I'd use. I think really the the minimum would be is can it do an airport run in electric mode, which is like 110 miles round trip, which I don't think any plug-in could do. Even Polestar 1 couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, – yeah, until that happens, then I guess it's probably not worth it for us to get one. But I am in a car buying mood. It's been two years since I bought a car, except for my Sprinter. And well, that's like going crazy. My, maybe my Crown Vic. Weren't so, you like interested yeah. in looking for like a Taycan or something or ordering one? Or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one on order. But this okay. is going to come in a long time. It's because I have to wait till March to place the order for the cool roof because I want the cool roof. And so yeah, I, I canceled sure. my, my Tycon 4 order because I thought I would go 4S. And then after the GTS launched, I was already so close to go GTS. So I'm like, okay, GTS and NATO Olive Green is the way to go. And that's going to be the keeper. Um, and hopefully I get yeah. to go watch it be built and do all these things. I don't know. We'll see. But, but that car is not going to come until like the end of next year. And my Model 3 now, which Alyssa drives, will hit 100,000 miles tomorrow. And so wow. then we're pretty much done with that car because that was the video I've been keeping it for was the 100,000-mile ownership update. And then, I don't know, maybe an e-tron, but they're kind of expensive these days. It's not the buyer's yeah. market. Yeah. yeah. Um, the e-trons, it's funny how they were pretty cheap for a while. Uh, I mean, they were even like 50 grand. Deals, they were practically giving them away, which is how I got one. <laughs> And then yep. the chip shortage and supply shortage and all that happened. And yeah, Did now you make like 12 grand selling your lease back to the dealer. Yes. Back to Abby. They wanted it because <laughs> they didn't have any incoming. They were like, Oh, we just want to sell it. <laughs> and they sold it for probably more than what I paid for it. Way more. I was in Cherry Creek a few weeks ago and I could not believe how many e-trons I saw. I mean, like, oh, I, yeah. I, I couldn't believe in general how many electric cars you guys actually have in that market. I was, like, shocked. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is Everywhere. pretty impressive. Like, not only Teslas are there, but, you know, I saw I, I could not believe how many e-trons I saw. <laughs> yeah, because it's not the trendy thing to drive a Tesla anymore. It's the trendy thing to drive anything but. And so everyone's yep. buying other stuff. I mean, like when you see a Tesla on the road, you're like, oh my God, you're just part of the, you're part of the clan. You just bought another one of Elon mobiles and look, I love them. And on paper, they make so much sense and I recommend them all the time, but I'm even bored of it. I'm like, I want something interesting that maybe, maybe a little bit flawed or interesting on a road trip. So yeah, definitely thinking about the next 
next vehicle purchase. I don't know what it will be. Uh, Tycon for sure, but that's a ways away. Uh, Rivian is a ways away. Uh, so everything I kind yeah. of want is off in the distance. And so maybe I just wait. I'm not sure. Morgan three-wheeler winter spec. Yeah. <laughs> winter spec. I would yeah. drive that with goggles and a scarf on. Yeah. <laughs> put Ellie in the passenger seat with doggles on. Yeah, so sorry to derail our conversation, but Jordan, can you tell us uh, everything about the Tycon GTS Sport Turismo? But also before that, Lacey, you got to play around with it on a static display. So can you share your opinions on the cool electrochromatic roof and the styling and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, I... The like supercar nerds that love their wagons, I think this is feeling like a, a dream come true type of uh, fantasy for them. So uh, yeah, I love to see when the Germans come out with the wagons and uh, a lot of the European brands because it just fills a gap that we really, we don't like have here in the US, but there are so many fanboys of it that and girls of it that I think it's important to have that body style here. Um, and in a car that performs really well, to have a lot more uh, cargo space is super useful. Um, so I love the utility of it. Um, I I like the Taycan. I think the design of it is gorgeous. As far as the roof goes, I think that is extra cool. And I don't think anybody would, you know, fight me on that because the fact that it is split up into all those different segments and you can kind of just scroll up and down with that touch screen is really fancy. Um, but it was funny because on the Inside EVs podcast, I said, you know, it's not surprising that the Germans would over engineer something like that. And um, yeah, they just, you know, keep <laughs> impressing us with that, those little details like that. And that's what I love about the German luxury brands and the European brands. They go above and beyond in a lot of ways like that. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, since we've taken deliver delivery of our Tycon was no, it was ordered and all that well before and built before that uh, cool roof came out. And looking back, we we're like, oh, I wish we could get the roof because we just have the regular skylight, which is a standalone option. But I've seen plenty of videos of the roof and it is so freaking cool. So Kyle, you need to wait for it because that alone is just amazing it's i mean it's a little yeah, well, it's like, obviously but it's so cool <laughs> it's the first time you can experience a cool feature in a porsche standing still is what i've always yeah. said right they've never had anything it's like whoa look at this aside from like the front opening thing which is cool but all their models do it <laughs> like that wasn't new when tycon came out jordan's just putting yeah. and reopening um but every porsche with a front trunk you can just swipe and open so that that's been there for years um but now you can like put people in your Tycon and go like, wow, look at this thing. And it's really cool. So yeah, it I decided the Tycon's going to be uh, sort of a keeper for me. It's such an important part, uh, a car in, in sort of my career and my passion for wagons and stuff like this, that I think that might be the first car I just never sell. Just hold on to it, put it in the out of spec collection that might, you know, we can try and grow over the next few 10, 20 years, whatever it is. Um, but I think, uh, you know, that means let's do it right. Let's order it properly, get the right color, the right specs, the right options, bite the bullet on the cost because it's going to be $165,000 by the time we're done optioning it up. And then, you know, just just forget about that as much as possible, but then get the right car. So that's where I'm at. But yeah. Jordan, you're back. Can you share your driving experience? Because up to this point, uh, no one's been able to drive it. Yeah. Um, first of all, oh wait, that's not the right one. But this this roof thing, I have a visual. I think. Yeah. Here we go. The one with the weird face. Um, which, <laughs> yeah. So Kyle, we had a Venza that we talked about at one point that had this all or nothing roof, basically this type of technology. But um, yeah, there's a lot of cars with it. But it was also hilarious that a forty thousand dollar Venza had it. Yeah. And so, but <laughs> but yeah, the unique part of this is having the separated the nine different segments that can either be like alternating so you have like two different levels and then you can just roll them up or down you can't choose individual ones but i never found that as an issue um it and it was genuinely effective so i guess that's one weird driving impression is while i was driving i kept changing it and found the cabin temperature to actually really change um, which was pretty cool um, but the actual driving of the car so 
I guess this is peak wagon, but it maybe even peak car. Like this was the most fun I had ever had in a car. And I won't tell my own. Should we preface that. that really quick? Because right before you got in this car, you were in the RS six wagon too. And yeah. so that's also a hot wagon. So hot yep. combustion wagon versus hot electric wagon. The Tycon smokes it or no, or what? Tycon smokes it. They, they're very different. I, you know, we kind of joked about, oh, this is a great two car solution, except it's a bit redundant, but actually driving both. <laughs> I think it is a good car, a good two car solution because the RS6 feels so much bigger and has so much more space. It felt, you know, every single seat you sit in, you're like, oh, this is great. I have so much room um, and so much space in the back in a you know real ABCD pillar. The Taycan Sport Turismo and Cross Turismo, some of the wagon elitists are kind of, you know, hating that people call them a wagon, but I think just accept it. It's, it is more um spacious than the sedan and i think it's very usable like Lacey said and i all it really does is add just a tiny bit of weight and it says essentially in the back part which i actually really liked the back just was a little tail happy which made it even more engaging to drive to me um, i haven't really hooned a 911 per se but it, it made me think of like Boxster versus 911, where the 911 has the weight shifted just a little bit further back, um, being rear engine instead of mid engine. That's what I imagined this in my head. Um, and it was so much fun to go up the mountain. And the Taycan felt so small compared to like another wagon or even some sedans. Like just the seating position, the, the way the 18 way seats hugged me. Um, I think I like 14 way and 18 way equally, just they're different use cases. Um, but for this, it was, they were all specced with the 18-way seats. Um, only two of the seven cars have the glass roof, so I did luck out. Although the other people had the metal roof, which we don't even get in the U.S., which was cool for their own sake. Um, yeah, and Forrest's car had ceramics. Yeah, yeah. So I think wow. most of the metal roof had ceramics, and then mine had the standard brakes, which were still really good because they are slightly bigger diameter and thickness. So um, they, it's GTS strikes a great balance is not you know top of the line turbo s is at the top one and it's also not you know a four four s so it's it's a step up from four s and it's not really a step down from turbo the way they actually describe it is kind of you go from four s into a y and from the y do you choose gts or turbo and then above both of those is turbo s and so turbo is more power, but they both have the same torque and just the dynamics are just dialed in slightly differently. So it's, do you want more of an engaging, almost track focused car versus one that's just a bit faster and straight line? Um, so I've found the GTS to well, be... And the turbo is really comfortable. We took a yeah. turbo on a big tour around Europe and it was just a luxurious cruiser. And these are very minutia details, but then you get into like a turbo S. I've never driven a turbo S cross turismo, but I've driven turbo S sedan and like that car is so freaking hardcore it just beats you up because it's just ready to rock it up any road and it's totally different character uh i imagine gts must have a little bit of that high strung character in it what do you think jordan yeah it did it it just wanted to do everything um and i was okay with that and like i i mean you introduced me to angel's crest in the miata and then doing it again, like with Lacey and everyone for the EV media summit, we only did a little bit of it. Um, but then doing it again with you and the RS e-tron GT, which that was really fun doing back to back. I didn't drive that up, but, um, having you take me up in the RS e-tron GT and then doing the same route in the actual Tycon and then going even further up was just an experience. Um, that I will, yeah, probably never forget. Um, but it's such a good car in every way well, can you and I... compare those experiences rs e-tron gt is the most hardcore audi version versus the sort of the mid-spec tycon what what do you what do you feel i know you didn't drive the audi but you got a good impression of it yeah and i, I did drive it with Lacey a bit um and it it's interesting that i feel like the highest spec the rs e-tron gt is pretty comparable to gts tycon um, and how it feels, although the suspension wasn't quite as planted in the RS e-tron GT. Um, I liked that about the Taycan, putting it in Sport Plus, and I was just like, I can do anything. Um, they both have great lateral grip. I mean, they've got fat tires all around and the all-wheel drive system. 
And it's always interesting hearing people talk about the two-speed transmission on the rear motor because some people complain about it. I actually have decided I love it. And I understand the complaint. Why? I understand. No, I understand the complaint. It's objectively worse than I think a total linear curve, but I like the character it brings to the car. There are certain cars that have something unique and characteristic about them that make them worse in ways, but I actually like what that added to the experience. And even the PESS, Porsche Experimental Sound, whatever they call it, um, or Porsche Electric Sound, something, yeah. That was actually different for the GTS than the other Taycans, and I didn't really mind it. Um, it was a bit loud with the windows up because it's such a quiet interior, but I decided I rolled the windows down. It was like 45 degrees, all windows down, hooning it up Angeles Crest, and that was great. I could still hear the sound, but I could also hear the tires and hear when they're about to you know, maybe lose grip, and that whole like. Yeah, auxiliary experience was perfect. So I wish you could turn the sound down. Can you? Is that like a thing deep in the settings? Or is it just like on or off? off? That's what I wish they would do. Genesis lets you adjust the level of sound they add, which, you know, their sound's all fake. Well, so um, does so does, uh, so does Audi with their e-tron. Yeah, see, that, that's what I think it needed. Um, but it didn't really bother me too much. And I like that. You know, when you when I when I had a normal, the sound was off, and I throw it in Sport Plus, the sound comes on. Um, yeah, great, great driving experience, and we got to have a taste in every sort of element because we had to go through LA traffic and normal highways to get to and from the driving route, and we got to stop at a charger, and I got the full 270 kilowatt charging and five to fifty percent in eight minutes and change. So it was, yeah, great experience. Uh, can we talk about something more important that more people can rationalize than Tycon? Because yeah. we're all nerds and love Tycons, <laughs> but no one's ever going to buy them. Uh, I mean, people buy they buy as many as they can make, but you know, it's not mass market. Uh, Lacey, have you seen the pricing for the Ionic Five yet? I haven't. No. Oh, be prepared to be blown oh, away. Oh yeah, Jordan, okay, you I'm have ready. the. Give it to me. Okay, Mike or Jordan, it's on Swerve. Can someone I've, pull it up I've, and bring yep. up? Yeah, on and it. let's just I run say, through. I thought Jordan had it up. <laughs> yeah jordan you're supposed maybe, to be running this podcast yeah was it maybe they i thought what was that list price list for it might have been for ionic 5 yeah if you're the blame, range, blame right because it was on the, the range it's same as the range list or i anything? think it's different than the range list oh it might be the yeah, same i don't know here we there, go here we right go there. look at that 39.7 baby before incentives whole just Right under ID4. Granted, that's yep. the standard range car with uh, 20 mm -hmm. miles less range than ID4 rear-wheel drive. But 120 like more than my Mini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and and the roughly the same price. Uh, this is weird. 168 horsepower to move that thing around. This is like rideshare mobile. I don't know. Yeah. We got to try <laughs> that out at some point. But But either way, insane price for a large car with the longest wheelbase in Hyundai's lineup longer than the Palisade. I've driven it. I can't tell you how it drives yet, but this pricing is wild to me. I thought we were going to see numbers approaching 70 grand for the limited maxed out. I thought this was going to be an expensive car. Look at Euro pricing. They're not cheap. Uh, just in talks with people sort of in the industry too. Everyone's like, yeah, this thing's going to be 50, 60, 70 G's. And here it is at 39.7 base. The one you really want is probably going to be SEL or limited. So you're into this thing mid 40s, low 50s. But even then, Lucky. that's a crazy good deal. And you get uh, two years or three years. I can't remember which. Three years. Uh, free charging. Three years, free 30-minute charging, which is fine because yep. they'll do 240 kilowatts and charge to 50% in 10 minutes. So a full zero to full is like 30 and a bit minutes anyway. Um, so you're you're ready to rock there. Can't comment on efficiency. Can't comment on driving dynamics because, again, not, not still under embargo. But I did drive the Kia EV6 not on the U.S. programs, but on a Euro program. That embargo's lifted, and it drove great. Uh, very different than Ionic <laughs> 5, though. Totally different character. And I just think this is the ultimate mic drop in the industry of the day. I lost my mind when I saw this pricing. I said, you know, th there is no reason to ever buy any other car except for this one if you can get one. And I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would say on average, Kyle, when you and I spoke about this uh, last night briefly, that I thought this car was going to be at least 10 to 15 grand more expensive on average for each trim than it is. Um, it's pretty amazing that they can make a car uh, as good on paper for this price. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I think they're not going to have any issues selling every single one of these, at least for the next couple of years. I thought it was going to be around mid forties to start. Um, uh, but, but I, I really like what I see here. This is, this is great. 39, seven. I mean, I'm just thinking like for the way I think the design is great. <laughs> like some people are like, I don't know if I like it. I think it will probably, I don't know, age funny, but I like the way it looks. I'm, I like what I see with the price point. The range is pretty good for what you get. I love that the extended wheelbase provides probably a lot of interior space. I haven't driven it or been inside of it yet. I've just seen pictures. I haven't even seen like one in person. Um, but I've been a big fan of this car ever since it was premiered. And I really want to <laughs> drive it. I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm but I like how, what Hyundai is doing. I am just so impressed with them. They've they've kind of I felt like had like this little bit of a head start with Nero EV and uh, Kony EV, and I feel like they're doing all the right things to make these incremental improvements to further the brand and further their electrification program. Not only from a Hyundai standpoint, but also on their luxury side with Genesis coming with the GV60, which is going to be on the same platform. So I'm stoked about what Hyundai is doing and they're you know they're they're knocking it out of the park in my opinion yeah this yeah. car looks how could you so go good. and buy a maki after this how could you buy an id4 <laughs> after this just alone on the road trip ability of this car which is the charging is twice as fast as both of those cars uh on average <laughs> you know the the peak is at least you know around 100 kilowatts higher than Maki peak and Maki can barely hold it more than 160 seconds because it has that weird amp hour thing in and out of the pack. Uh, and this is just like, give me all the juice I can get until I overheat. And that's exactly what happened uh, <laughs> during, during my time with it, where I drove the piss out of the car to bring it down to zero during the media drives. And I plugged it into a charger and it went, you know, shot right up to 240 kilowatts, not driving dynamics uh, uh, talking here, just, just charging. And it was awesome until it thermal throttled. <laughs> but I will say, I think there's still bugs with this car. I mean, Electrify America is their partner network. Both Hyundai and Electrify America selected a singular site for us to go to to do charging demos. And it bricked charging on two different cars right around the same state of charge. And for that to be like the most controlled of controlled experiences and it's bricking charging sessions on two different cars, well, that just seems sketchy to me like it just seems like we need a good network here and uh to rely on electrify america right now is a you know just blatantly going to say it, it's it's not the most comforting situation yep that's my uh least favorite aspect of like if ben and i want to take the tycon somewhere is just when we get to a ea station is it going to work like is, are you going to get full charge or is it going to be at half output will it even connect to the car it's just the convenience of it right now is so inconsistent. Just, you just don't know. Like we've all owned Teslas, you know, so you can just plug into your Tesla and it's good to go. We've rarely ever had any, any issue plugging in your Tesla, but even like just last night, we had an issue at the local EA station here in Raleigh, uh, plugging the Taycan in. It did not work. We had to go to a different station. Um, right next door but still it's it's just a waste of you no know, five ten minutes of trying to replug reconnect with the car and i agree we need as a country it just needs to have better charging uh network in general yeah we um the tycon drive i was at you know we basically did this route that they had kind of planned out and they they didn't hold you to it but everyone did it because who's going to not do angel's crest and we went down the back of the mountain and came down the highway. And so everyone went to the same charger and it was an Electrify America station. They chose 
and they told me this because it is the most reliable in the area and that they, they've never seen issues. Well, that's we just show... Calvin choosing that, right? So okay, Calvin, so, who's yeah. <laughs> spokesperson, said like, okay, this one normally works. But this is what I love about Calvin's approach. Hyundai for their drive said, we want an EA staff on site. We want to make sure this stuff's good. Calvin's like, look, at the end of the day, this is what people are going to experience. So we're just going to show up to an EA station and that's where everyone's going to charge. And like, yep. if it doesn't work, well, that's the real status of these cars. And I love that he doesn't sugarcoat it compared with some other automakers who aren't as transparent with the charging situation. Yeah. So we, we showed up and two of the chargers were actually being like dug up or something. Like there was a crew there replacing them entirely. And then two of the other ones had warnings on the screen that said charging is currently limited to 50 kilowatts because of an update or something. Um, so mm -hmm. fortunately the other few did work but it was yeah instead of having all fully functional ready to charge all the cars it was we had to cycle cars and now fortunately they're tycon so they charge really fast um but that was kind of funny so i but yeah i, I showed up at with five percent state of charge 15 miles remaining showing on the, the tycon and it was ready to go because we because these were german spec cars we couldn't do route in-car route navigation which is what tycon uses to precondition the battery so I was like, oh, I better show up with a warm-ish battery. And so I did. Um, and yeah, charged great. So good. Proper driving then. <laughs> there you go, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting The nice thing to is see. you can control battery temperature with throttle application. Yeah, I felt in complete control. It was really inter interesting to see the different charge, the different state of charges in various cars that had all done the same route, like all starting at 100%. And all showing up at the exact same charger in the wide variety of levels. Of how from... hard people drove it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had 5%, and then there was someone with, I think, 38%. Uh, so it really, yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. Really <laughs> all over the place. Good. But yeah, but um, that's yeah. the best. That's that's the way to do a program. Make people charge, yeah. understand the networks, understand how to troubleshoot if there are. And, and all of these these first drive programs for these EVs that like they give them to you full fine, but like that don't include charging opportunities or say, oh, if you're not into charging, don't go there. It's like, no, everyone needs to charge the damn thing and make everyone drive it far enough to where it's low, where you get good speeds. And if there are issues, well, welcome to the current state of electric cars. And, you know, I have a lot of issues with automotive journalists in general, not understanding electric cars. We had journalists at the Ionic thing. It uses a guesso meter, right? So um, I won't talk about driving, but like our route was, we can talk about that, was uphill. And so they were saying like, hey, my car used, tw you know, like twice the amount of mileage than we actually drove. But meanwhile, like everyone's shredding them up back roads, gaining huge elevation, and they just can't comprehend how... You know, cars, you, yeah, like obviously your car is going to go less distance because you just drove the piss out of it. I, d I don't know why this is such a hard concept for people to understand, but it really is. Yeah, um, it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that point. I, I will say we, we have our complaints with Ford and Mustang Mach-E, but Kyle, you remember we received those Mach-E's for our event and the papers they came with, they were the only cars I think that came with things for journalists to read to learn everything possible about charging, which was really impressive given that it was possibly the worst charging car there. Um, and well, I, I would did say appreciate... it's bad. Like at the end of the day, it's not that bad of a car, right? You plug it in 40 minutes later, you charge up. I'm, I've driven Maki across the country. Lacey's driven Maki across the country. You can do it. It's just not optimized for our real nerdy levels, but for like yes. your general consumer, you just plug it in, you walk away, you come back a half hour, 40 minutes later, and it's charged to 80%. So I, yeah, we do have our issues on the nerdy side, but I, it doesn't stop me from recommending the car. No, um, yeah, it's, it's still the a day, good, yeah, it's still a good car for most people. And what was, what yeah. was impressive was the fact that they included, here's everything you need to know about charging this car, um, which at some point yeah. we should get to the point where it's, common knowledge you know people don't get a gas car with the instructions on how to go to a gas station and which one to choose well the fact that we need this now is just insane to me electric cars have been on the market for 10 years in popularity yep. and now you're just figuring out how to charge the damn things like this is your job as a paid auto expert to understand how to use now lifestyle media that's different if you don't review cars generally if you're an influencer all the information that's awesome i get it the general public don't 
fully understand how to use electric cars. But as an automotive journalist, if you're getting a car on a press load rotation, you should be fully comfortable, up to speed, and educating people on electric cars and hydrogen and combustion, whatever the platform is, because that's your job. And people just are so lazy about researching this stuff. It drives me insane. I, I mean, I really think um, that, that the whole industry, the automotive journalism industry should just stop. I don't see any need for it. I know that's our world. I see zero need. The people don't provide accurate information. They don't know how to test the stuff. Most of them aren't great drivers. So what is the general public learning or getting out of this experience? I don't know. But I really think it should just be the new wave, which you know maybe we're a part of, maybe we're not. But it's just like Tesla does a really good job without hosting media loans and media events. And they're selling as many cars as they can. What do they need a PR department for? Yeah. I will yes, say no. it's, it's uh, the opinion that you have is interesting because, um, you know, in ways I feel like that in my industry, too, because so like if for the people that don't know what I do for a living, I am a contractor for auto companies. So I will go on contract maybe for a year, maybe a month or something if a brand is launching a new product. So back my last one before the pandemic was the Polestar 2. So in 2019, I spent the whole year taking the prototype around and educating people about the Polestar 2. Everything that they need to know, why should I buy this instead of that, and telling them straight up the facts of what this car has to offer. And, um, you know, in my business, there's so many automotive, uh, you know, experts with these brands that... And now these brands are offering electric cars. And even though that they go through training through the OEMs to be experts on the product, they still don't understand what they're saying. Like <laughs> you can tell, I can tell anytime I talk to someone that's in my, that like a peer in my business and they start talking about electric cars, I'll know within two minutes if they know actually what they're talking about because of the way that they're talking about the car. And, um, they just don't have uh, the experience of, you know, taking the car out and driving it and then also charging it. Like you said, Kyle, like the charging experience is so important to understand um, and to be able to communicate that with people accurately without them, you know, blowing smoke up your <laughs> face. <laughs> it's uh, It's fascinating to watch. We're still at such a point in this business that, People have a lot of learning and, and uh, experience to gain from this new wave. And I, I believe we were talking about this uh, on the other podcast with Inside EVs, as Kyle and I. It's like, I do believe that generally speaking, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing, is that the majority of the general public should own an electric car as their primary vehicle and not a combustion car. Um, so that's just my opinion about it. And the fact that we're so behind in the education process is frustrating, but I mean, I hope it changes soon. Yeah. Well, you brought up a great point, which is experience, right? So you just need to live with one, but here's what I would do if I was an automaker loaning out electric cars, a, you're not getting it unless you have a home charger. Because if you don't put in the investment to get an electric car, why am I going to send you one just so you can write an article saying, I don't know how to charge the damn thing, so don't buy it. And then two, uh, you know, fast charge it. Get, look, I'll give you all the cards you need to activate the chargers that a general person will have. I'll make sure plug-in charge works on the car if I was a PR guy. But I would say, look, part of owning an EV, look, they, we all talk to the automakers when we drive their cars. Like, seriously, run it low, drive the piss out of it, go to a charger and plug it in. And guess what? That's what people are going to do on road trips. Take it on a trip, put miles on it. Um, because at the end of the day, we buy cars for, you know, I should say our use case is like 95% of the cars just driving around town, 95% of our time. But we buy cars for that 5%. It's why we see Range Rovers everywhere, because one day you might have to drive to the top of a mountain to rescue your child that got up there somehow. Like, I don't know. But people <laughs> buy cars for the stuff you'll never need. People buy cars because they might need to take a road trip one day. And if they're not confident in doing that one task that they may or may not ever do with their car, uh, then that's a big holdup. And so I think mm -hmm. that's where automotive journalists have an opportunity to share their knowledge with their readers and viewers 
about how electric cars work. And honestly, I've never seen really anyone do a great job of this coming from a point of knowledge. It's always coming from the real world ownership experience where I don't know anything about EVs, neither do you. Let's figure it out together. It's not a bad tactic, but this has been going on for 10 years now. So yeah, mm -hmm. we need more knowledge in general. That's why I love what Calvin does at Porsche, uh, who who runs their PR side. He does a great job forcing, uh, you know, journalists to experience the car in the way an owner would. And at the end of the day, ninety nine percent of Taycan owners charge it home ninety nine percent of the time, but they might take a trip one day, and they got to figure out how that's done. So uh, yeah, I mean, we're sort of getting close on our time here, but I guess Lacey, I wanted to tell you just a little bit about the industry as a whole, uh, EV, combustion, plug-in hybrid, the players at hand, specifically the Germans, what's going on with these guys. You know, traditional German companies have been so slow to react to everything, but now it almost seems like the Japanese are the slowest to react. Um, yep. Yeah, what what's going on? Where where do you think, you know, in 10 years, is Tesla going to have the 90% the market share, whatever they have in the U.S., uh, or are we going to see a broader mix? What, what's your expectations? Well, I do. I, I kind of think both. Like, I do think that Tesla is going to be still the dominant EV player because they just the user experience is so much better than what anybody else is offering. And the fact that these automakers, legacy makers are uh, dumping in so much money for the investment to move to electric is great. But uh, I mean, it's kind of the same concept to me as government, like letting government control certain things, it's going to take a lot longer time and it's kind of going to get fumbled around. And that's how I see the legacy automakers doing it. It's going to take them a long time to, because just systematically they are just, um, you know, process oriented and, um, you know, the structures that you need to have someone approve this in order to get to the next level. And, you know, you don't really have that as much in the startup mentality. Now, I do think that there are some startups that are kind of hybrid operating that way, like a legacy maker and some of them that aren't. Um, but I, I generally think that Tesla will dominate for a very long time, if not <laughs> forever in the EV business, just because I think that they're going to continue to innovate over time. So it's going to be like nearly impossible for anybody to really catch up. But that being said, I've seen and I've heard so many times before that Tesla is not for everyone. I don't like this. I don't like that. It's just one small little opinion. I don't like Elon Musk. I don't like um, how, you know, there's one screen in the car. There's so many factors like that that are buying decisions for people that they won't buy the car for that reason. So there is a market for the, you know, Fords and the GMs and the, you know, Germans to come in and take some of that market share. But ultimately, it's, it's I think Tesla will stay king for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at this point, like Tesla is just the easiest, right? So uh, Alyssa's grandfather has a Model 3. I think he was getting his Model Y today. And it's just like, at you know, at the end of the day, he needs like a comfortable cruiser SUV and e-tron full size is probably perfect for him. But in terms of simplicity, the charging networks, the integration with his phone, setting things up, the Tesla is the easiest. And we're like, look, just just get a Model yep. Y because that's just going to be the easiest thing for him. Um, but can we talk about Polestar? Because this is a very interesting blend where it's rooted in legacy um, you know, situation from Volvo and Geely owning 50% each, uh, basically being operated like Volvo. But then they said, here's a group of people go over there, never talk to us again and do your own thing. But like, also you can kind of have everything we have. So, you know, I yeah. recently just was with the Polestar guys. What is your opinion on this business model where it's direct sales almost, but then done through a contracted dealer this is an interesting hybrid mix. I think honestly, that is one of the ways where it, it can survive for the legacy makers, because I think there will be some kind of consolidation. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do think that there's some consolidation. But I also think there's opportunity um, for some of the people that are lagging behind to jump ahead in unique ways um, with maybe, you know, battery chemistry or, you know, different innovations that they don't have to 
necessarily suffer the pain of <laughs> the like 10 year progression to a decent range and a good product. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I really love what Polestar is doing uh, from that standpoint, because like you mentioned, what they're doing is a direct sales looks like that. Like when a customer comes into their Polestar space, it looks like it is a direct sale model because there are people there to educate you that are product specialists. They're not commissioned salespeople. And what happens is on the in the background is that the local dealer uh, is taking care of all the service needs for the customer. And they're not involved in the sales process because they just get a cut of each car that's sold. So I think that that eliminates a lot of headache for the brand itself and allowing them to have factory staff that puts out the image that they want to and controls that um, a little bit easier and still gets their service need out of the way. Because that's the biggest hurdle for anyone that's trying to start a new car company is the, the service. Like, how are you going to you know, navigate that? Uh, if you want to do it on your own, it is expensive and it's going to be a slow roll to to get these places, uh, facilities put out. But also the other side of this is kind of going off on another branch is, you know, eventually uh, I believe that there should be right to repair where um, the manufacturers, if they are providing their own service, that uh, it should independent shops should also be like, I, I'm pro consumer in all of this. So I would like to see more uh, direct shops, but I also would like to see independent shops as well. But I think totally that the, agree. the legacy maker, like, I think that really one of the only ways that they survive in competing in the electric space against someone like Tesla or Rivian or Lucid who have these direct models with a, uh, less hassle experience for service, I think they're they're the winners there and people will transition because of that. And the only way to survive for our legacy auto is to do a hybrid version like what Polestar is doing. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Polestar is a really interesting one. Uh, one that I'm very excited about increasingly with software updates now adding more power, better charging curves, uh, new styles coming down, bigger cars, uh, just recently drove the Polestar 1. That video will be live by the time this podcast goes up. Uh, really awesome. Just spend a whole day shredding around the hills. And, you know, the sort of their first car production's done. It's the end of combustion for Polestar. It lasted all of 300 cars or however they made. I don't know how many, but not many. And uh, just one of the, the coolest Volvos, if you will, is, is Polestar 1's really just the Volvo engineers went crazy. And uh, yeah, I wanted to at least mention I was able to drive it one last time, driven it many times before, lucky enough to have done plenty of miles in those cars. And uh, yeah, really special machines. But yeah, I want to thank uh, Lacey. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your knowledge um miss go electric on all the things of course and youtube and uh you know i'm a big fan so it's always cool that you get to come and do stuff with us we really appreciate oh, it and yeah. Uh, yeah that's always oh, good one last thing i want to say is that um if you don't follow me you should for one and for two um i also have a um a tv show is going to be premiering on nbc sports called charge across america which was the road trip that i did in the mustang mach e with ryan from the kilowatts and that's going to be on nbc sports on december 21st uh, the first airing is going to be at 10 p.m eastern standard time and 7 p.m p.m prime time pacific so tune in damn you got yeah, yourself on tv holy yeah smokes. i know i don't even have tv at home how will i watch that <laughs> probably an nbc app right I don't know. Yeah, I still haven't figured it okay. out, but I'm going to have to figure okay. it out myself. Yeah, I, I don't have TV, but I'm going to my parents that day in Kansas City, and they do have TV. And I'll just say I'm going to their house That's specifically good. to watch that. And then when yes. it's over, I'll, I'll leave. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, that's a great show. Thanks everyone for watching. And um, yeah, check us out on Twitter and all the things at Out of Spec. And uh, once again, Lacey is at Miss Go Electric on Twitter. Kyle is at It's Kyle Connor. Mike is M underscore Breeling. I am Jordan underscore Sheever. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you all on the next one. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 